Welcome to the Resilient Mind Podcast, exploring how our thoughts and feelings influence our actions. I am Steve Nathanson, CEO and founder of Strive for More, professional coaching firm, and... I'm Andrew Marangoni, founder and CEO of Steel City Pack Leader. Together, we founded Pittsburgh Pet Care, where coaching and pet care meet. And this is our podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to the Resilient Mind Podcast. I'm Andrew Marangoni here with my good friend, Steve. How are you doing today, Steve? I'm good, man. What about yourself? I'm doing all right, nursing the back injury. But uh, because I've been taking such good care of myself, I'm on a mend after, you know, a relatively short time. So excited about that. Layla says heal up soon. And <laughs> Yes. And it ties into today's topic, which is identifying and creating boundaries for self-preservation and why that's important. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a great, great topic. It is. So let's dive right into it. So when we talk about boundaries, basically what we are get alluding to is what we are comfortable with or not comfortable with, I think is the easiest way to define that. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, a really good maybe illustration of that is, is personal space, right? How close do I want or not want people kind of next to me, say, standing in line at the store, pandemic or not, right? Kind of putting that aside. But yeah, what, what is that? Maybe that physical boundary of personal space. So I think that's an absolutely great description of it. What am I comfortable with? and What do I want to hold to? Right. And, you know, I, I think we, we're all really good at recognizing when we're uncomfortable. Mm. Um, I, yeah. <clears throat> so I don't think identifying where mm. you need to make boundaries is the hardest part. I think it's actually creating the boundary or standing up for the boundary that you believe in or saying something to somebody. And it's like, hey, you're in my personal space and, you know, it's all good, but I just, I, I'm not comfortable. And can you give me a little bit of space? You know, I, I think, I think in most cases, when you are interacting with other people, it's not what you're saying, it's how you're communicating and how you're conveying that message mm -hmm. that allows it to be received well or not. Yeah. I think there's some crucial, crucial points in there that you, you've brought out. And I, and I agree. I think, I definitely think it is harder to adhere to boundaries that we want versus kind of identifying what those are. And then you, you nailed it. A big part of this and holding true to those boundaries is how do I actually communicate those to other people so that they can respect those for me, or at least I set myself up in the best way possible to have those conversations be successful, right? And lead to that. Outcome. I think that's absolutely critical. One thing I do want to say, actually, though, at the kind of initial part of this of what are my boundaries, I think you're right. I think we naturally know when we are uncomfortable. And I think that information is there. But I will say sometimes it just takes thinking about it or talking through that with someone to really identify what does that discomfort actually mean for me. So I would just throw maybe that added component of when I feel like I'm uncomfortable, what is that boundary that I'm actually trying to hold true? Sometimes it takes a little extra step to really understand what that discomfort is telling us to, to clearly identify that boundary, I would say. That makes sense. I mean, I, I, I know for many situations, 
that it can be fleeting too, right? Mm-hmm. Is like, it's, it, it like kind of hits you, but you're like, oh, I'm in the middle of a whole bunch of things. Like I don't have time to resonate on this feeling, but you know, I think it's one of those things when you're mindful of it, it's something that needs to be addressed at some point. Yeah. yeah. And actually, you know, another great thing in there too, is we all process things a little bit differently. So in the moment, right, you and I, I think we're probably similar in this and you can tell me like, no, see, that's, that's definitely not right. But I think you and I are probably pretty good in the moment saying I'm discomfort or I'm, I'm not comfortable, right? I feel discomfort. And here's why that, that feeling exists, but other people operate a little bit differently. So some people, maybe they recognize they're uncomfortable, but not until after they were able to really kind of process that experience that it stands out to them like, oh, this is why I felt uncomfortable in that situation. Sometimes some people need that time to really kind of process after the fact to truly understand what they've gone through. Yeah, I agree. Um, It takes time. And one of the things that, uh, you know, as working with animals is they, they show off a lot of signs saying when they're comfortable or uncomfortable. And we as humans are very not in tune to that communication. And we often stomp all over our animals' boundaries. Um, and it's the subtle communication that gets overlooked. You know, when your dog starts growling or showing its teeth, that is extreme communication saying, I'm very uncomfortable. Um, and a lot of people say like, oh, this behavior came out of the blue or he just bit out of the blue. And I was like, no, there was probably lots of little communication that has been ignored for a very long time. And it's escalated now. And, you know, one way of thinking about that is here's a perfect example. And this was not so much me um, being mean to somebody. But when I was cooking at a restaurant, uh, you know, The kitchen is a very um, erratic place. There's a lot of joking around. There's a lot of making fun of each other. And, you know, it's kind of like a hazing kind of thing when new people come in. And this one kid came in and we were kind of hazing him. And the one day the manager pulled me aside and said, like, hey, you got to stop. Like, this kid is really upset. And I was, like, really flabbergasted by that because, like, he's smiling and having a good time and, and, you know, smiling in our face and laughing with us. And, you know, I thought it it was more of like a camaraderie, you know, like guys being guys kind of thing, but he was more sensitive to it than he was telling me or letting me know with his body language. And I completely overlooked it, but I had pushed him to a place where he was very upset and big consequences were coming. You know, at any point, if he would have been like, hey, man, this joking around is not appreciated, I would have been like message received and stopped immediately. But because, you know, no one stood up or there was no communication, it escalated to a point where it didn't have to get to. Mm. So that's a good example of uh, how starting to identify and talk about your boundaries is one way of starting to you know, not let things get too far down the road before you take action. Yeah. And, and in that example, if I were to maybe feed off of that, there's a couple of things that 
I think we would want to dive into today kind of on that and that part of it is what do we do perhaps that allows people to violate our, our boundaries? Not having lived through that experience that you just shared, right? And I appreciate you sharing that. I'm not saying this was the case or not the case there, right? Not knowing that. But let's say in that instance that the person who feels like they're being slighted in and does not like what's going on, if they never show it, or if they just shrug it off and say, ah, no, man, don't worry about it. They're just laughing. They're joking and having a good time with it. Or at least that's what they're portraying to other people. That behavior can feed into, say, right, you in this example or other people not knowing that there should be a boundary there and things should, should stop. And this is one of the hardest things I think for people to do is essentially ask themselves, what am I doing that's feeding into other people? Oh, pushing across my boundaries. And I'll use maybe a much kind of more short and concise example is a lot of times when people apologize to us, we have a tendency to say, oh, don't worry about it. No big deal. That is kind of like this example is we're minimizing that behavior. We're essentially telling them, yeah, that wasn't a big deal. It's okay. You know, and they're more likely to do that in the future. If we instead said, thank you. I appreciate your apology. Something even just as short as that, now you're greatly different because you are acknowledging that what they did was wrong or inappropriate and you're thanking them for their apology and you're leaving it there. You're not minimizing it. You're not brushing it aside. You're creating a clearer statement of, yes, what you did was wrong. And I appreciate you acknowledging that and apologize as well. So I think that's one thing from your example there is kind of what is the behavior maybe that I'm doing that lets other people violate my boundaries. The other thing from the flip side, from your angle too, is what perhaps do I perceive and am I overlooking to let me know that I am violating somebody's boundaries, right? So in this example, again, not having been there, can't say one way or the other, but let's just say maybe there's fleeting moments where he looks like he's uncomfortable and then he brushes that aside and jokes and, and says, you know, and joins in, right? Are there maybe slight things that perhaps I am missing in that example that are overlooked? And I'll give you another kind of short example of that, that I was talking to you about earlier is with my two wonderful dogs that love to bury under the covers, sometimes Jude, my male Vishla, will growl at his sister, Layla, <laughs> when she starts coming a little bit closer and sniffing at him, letting her know, I'm kind of comfy, please leave me alone. And she just ignores it because she wants to mother him and, and lick him <laughs> um, and give him kisses. That's something where she kind of overlooks, right? She's not picking up on those maybe fleeting signs that say, leave me alone, right? So just kind of one other example, maybe to illustrate that is what do we do that we're missing from other people letting us know we should hold true to a boundary? Yeah, I concur. Um, so do you want to talk about uh, starting to set boundaries with people and some, some of the ways that we can go about communicating? You know, like, hey, I, I, I need this from you. Um, 
especially like right now, it's a good time to, to, to practice this because we already have new boundaries in place. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've actually loved phys- uh, social physical distance and from people. It's been very pleasurable for the most part. Um, I do miss hugs, but in the general day to day, I actually do like having more space walking through um, the neighborhood and, and, and people crossing the street and things of that nature. It's, it's, it's nice to have the, the space because I don't always like strangers in my personal space. Right. Yeah. I, and so let's, let's jump right in and start from there. I think number one is, is the question is what are the boundaries I want to hold to? I think kind of bluntly put, that's the first thing to ask ourselves. And to your point, maybe right now off the top of my head, I'd be like, well, here's what I want. I want a work-life balance, right? I want a boundary between work. I want a boundary between life, the time to do each of those. I want a physical boundary. I like my personal space. Uh, Just two quick examples. If sometimes it's not quite hard, uh, excuse me, readily apparent what those boundaries are and harder to describe them kind of concisely, you can go through that exercise of, what do I feel right now is kind of being violated? What do I feel is off? What do I feel that's uncomfortable? Asking yourself those questions can help you better describe what are the boundaries right now that you are not having met by other people or life in general. So that's, that's I think, fundamentally number one. What are those boundaries? Anything else maybe you want to add in there of, of how to help people dive into what those boundaries are? And figure them out. Um, yeah, so I, uh, it reminds me of dealing with one of the boundaries I had to set up with my clients at work was I had to set parameters for when and how I was contacted um, because people have different lives and people are up at different times, and I understand that. But also at the same time, like it's not fair to interject new information into my life at you know, off times of the day where I should have freedom from work. Um, so that's one way of, of looking at a boundary is saying like, here's my time boundary. And you just very politely say like, this is how I conduct my business. And this is the time and here's how you can reach me. And, you know, I had some clients, um, reach out and say, I, I, I respect you coming out and telling me how to communicate with you. That alleviates that pressure. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a big part of this too, that you're really starting to touch on. So maybe just kind of a, re- a recap I'll bring out now that we have talked about kind of like, how do we identify these values? You're starting to really get into how do we hold to these, these values. And that's a wonderful example and here, the thing, I think the key's in it. It's number one, it's how we communicate those boundaries to, to others. Number two, what actions are we currently taking that perhaps allow people to violate our boundaries? I think that's, that's number two. Number three, then I think it's what actions are we going to take to hold true to those boundaries, right? So kind of on the flip side. But importantly with that last part, and the fourth key point is, what are the mentalities behind my actions? Because 
if I say I want this work-life balance or I don't want customers to contact me at six in the morning and at 1130 at night, but I, no matter what, am always thinking it's more important for me to respond to my customers immediately, driving me to always respond to them at six or 1130 at night, no matter what actions I try to take, if that's the mindset I have, I'm always going to respond and I'm never going to hold true to those boundaries, right? So I think that understanding what mentalities drive me are also hugely important because if I don't change that mindset, I may never hold true to those boundaries. So that's kind of the fourth key for me, I would say. Communication, action, action, mentality. <laughs> and, you know, just like everything else, they kind of tie together, right? Is like <clears throat> identifying your boundaries helps you manage your time better. And managing your time better helps you, you know, maintain and strike that work-life balance or that all those other aspects of your life that you are trying to seamlessly integrate, right? Is all these things are another piece of the pie for living a fulfilled and, and, and resilient life. Right, right. Yeah, so, so let's talk about this. Let's, maybe let's walk through an example from start to finish perhaps. So I'll give you a real kind of good example currently going on in my own life. Uh, I'm, I'm helping a family member. I'm going to leave the specifics out of it, but I'm helping a family member and I'm more than willing and happy to do it. And it is taking time out of in my life to do it amongst a lot of busy things that I have going on and, and other things that I'm trying to accomplish in, in my life. So part of this is creating those, those boundaries. So what are the boundaries? In this instance, it's going to be time and energy. Right. How much time is this taking away from everything that I'm doing? And then how draining, perhaps, can this be? Because there's a lot of work and effort put into, into helping this person. Um, not a knock on them in any way or the situation. It's just a kind of a fact, a fact of what we're trying to, to do and what I'm trying to help with. So I would identify my boundaries as, as time and then energy. Because if this, say, takes all my energy... Even if I have the time, I may not have the energy to engage in what else I have going on or maybe do it as productively as, as I, I would normally. So those are kind of the two key boundaries, right? So step one for me. Step two then would be, right, how am I maybe communicating that? Uh, what actions am I doing perhaps that allow those boundaries to be violated if they are? Uh, number three, what actions would I take to rebring that boundary back into place and then number four what are the mentalities that play into that for holding true to those boundaries or not so let's actually kind of go backwards let's, let's start at number four the mentality for the mentality is i will absolutely help my family out in any way possible that i can because i love them and i care for them a great deal and i want to be as helpful as i as possible so that's my mentality going into this so if I were to objectively look at myself and say, you know, what mentalities may cause me to not hold true to these boundaries, it could be that. Really just truly caring about them and wanting to help in any way possible. And because of that, maybe letting slip time and energy boundaries. So that's the mentality. 
then what actions am I already kind of doing that perhaps allow those boundaries to be, to be violated? Well, we've had a lot of conversations and those have perhaps been when we're both available at night after life happens for, for each of us and what we've got going on. So I've tended to be up later than I would have liked uh, at night and doing more work, which allows me to not say fall asleep as early as I would like to, because my brain hasn't had that time. I normally go through to kind of wind down. Um, and that energy with everything going on can perhaps be a little bit more draining or negative at night versus kind of refreshing and relaxing to help me fall asleep. So those are kind of the actions. If we were to take a look at actions I'm currently doing that kind of violate those boundaries, that's what I would say. If we're going to take a look at now what actions would I like to do is now for actions to put these boundaries into place, I need to understand, I think, at what point do I want to cap my work on this at night and let this go to the next day? That's one. Number two, I think, is the amount of time and effort I'm going to put into it. So not only just time at night, but how much time am I going to spend on it each day? Uh, great example. Yesterday, I maybe intended to just spend a couple minutes on it, and then I ended up before I knew it, an hour and a half was gone <laughs> on it. So those are some of the actions, right, that I, I need to kind of institute there. Now, the way that I, I communicate it uh, would be having a conversation about helping in the way that I can um, and expressing maybe what's realistic moving forward in terms of what that may look like uh, that I'll be able to kind of spend on the phone with them or spend effort-wise looking into things we're looking into. That I think is what that communication would look like. And in this case, with what we've talked about already, that shouldn't be bad conversations or even taken the wrong way. I think it's a recognition of there's life going on for, for both of us. So it's a fairly easy conversation to have should I, should I need to. So for me, I think it's number one, addressing this mentality of I clearly want to help them in any way that can but I need to recognize I'm spending too much time and energy doing it. So I need to work a little bit more smarter and orient it at different parts of the day that don't negatively impact me. Those are the actions I want to take. And I don't know if I even actually foresee communicating in this instance, if that's necessary yet, because we haven't really gotten to a point where this individual is just wholeheartedly violating that. Now, let's say if they're calling me at 11 o'clock every single night, then yeah, I would probably start having that, that conversation, but that's not the case at the moment. Um, so that's, I think, maybe what I would bring out from my real-world example of how I understood what those boundaries are, what my mentality is behind it that's going to allow me to either hold to or not hold true to the boundary, what actions I've done already that allowed that boundary to be violated or boundary, excuse me, uh, what actions I can take to start building those boundaries back up, and then at what point would I need to say communicate that to this other individual and how I would do that. Makes sense. Yeah. I like that very, very detailed example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. I apologize if I just kind of rambled and went on, so I apologize there for, for the listeners, but I, I wanted to make sure I kind of gave enough information to say how can I apply this in my own life with what's going on. Right. And, you know, I, I think the important thing that people need to discuss or, or, or go over in their brain is all the dynamics of 
each situation where you're applying boundaries. For instance, in this situation, when you're talking about family, you can have boundaries with family, but also you are allowing yourself to break those boundaries more easily because of compassion for your family. Yep. yep. Where, where, whereas if you're dealing with people that you may care about, but not necessarily, you know, be in love with or have a that kind of relationship with that you're willing to break your boundaries for them it's much easier to say like no it it i have these boundaries for a reason and it's it's for my self-preservation or or for my own you know effectiveness in the world because that's really what it get, comes down to is that when you aren't creating boundaries in your life to allow yourself to have time to do all the things to fulfill your needs and to fulfill what you have to get done. So then you can work on what you would like to get done. <laughs> you know, um, you get, you get thrown off track by these things that are thrown onto your plate. And it's especially frustrating when those things are outside things that you've already created parameter wise right right um so and and again i think that's the important thing that i was trying to bring out there is that boundaries are important and how you enforce them are important and also when you break them and who you do that for is also something that you should take into consideration um yeah and it's a wonderful point and and I'll kind of add to that, I think, briefly, when we do make that concession, we've got compassion for family, maybe we're just going to let it slide, we tend not to say anything. And so it goes by the wayside until maybe it kind of boils over, and then it comes out, it's like, come on, John, why don't you just respect this? I've asked you to do this. You know, it comes out in that fashion, right? Whomever John may be in your situation, let's say typically it kind of comes to a head and it comes to a head abruptly and bluntly. But if during that journey, we recognize we're kind of making that concession and we want to hold true to that boundary, the communication is a lot easier and less aggressive, less abrasive to have earlier on in that process when we recognize that boundary starting to slip versus when it really just kind of boils over and comes to a head, if that makes sense. It does. <clears throat> Here, here's another example of using boundaries for your benefit. Okay. Uh, so when I am doing dog training, one of the most difficult things for me usually to do is like align my schedule with the client's schedule. Um, and doing that became very tedious and frustrating. But now with the technology of acuity, I can say, here is my available time for these appointments and it's already set up and the client can then go choose at their will what works for them. And I've already took everything off the plate that I won't do. So it, it cleans up the communication very well then, you know, because then I don't have to be like, well, how Saturday at noon? No, that doesn't work for me, John. Well, how about Tuesday at four? I was like, nope, that also doesn't work for me. How about this? Here's what I have available. What works for you? Right. <laughs> right. 
you know, it's funny because I send people my schedule all the time and I, and I, I think I have that preconceived notion of sending it like, oh, I hope they're just don't think that I'm just panning it off or pawning that off on it. But to your point, it's, it's much more helpful, right? It gives them that option and it's alleviates that back and forth. All those questions or frustration, it's easily seeable. Here's when I can, can schedule, right? And people typically don't necessarily take it. Oh, they're just pawning off. Um, I've had someone's like, no, this was great. You know, send this to me all the time because this, this helps, helps us schedule. So a great illustration, I think, on, on your part of the way we communicate and maybe our assumptions too about it that may prevent us from communicating it in actually the best way possible. Let me, right. Let me so, you know, the, you know, there's, there are, you can have the same kind of effects in a different fashion as far as, um, I, let me re let me reframe what I'm trying to say as when you are in the situation, when you are having your boundaries pushed upon and you're not saying anything, um, there is the responsibility on you to make that change to communicate like, hey, I need this. But in some fashions where you're trying to help somebody and you're being overly cautious of not pushing their boundaries, you can also fail yourself in that direction because sometimes you need to step across the line and say, hey, I'm trying to help you and it may be uncomfortable for you. I need to know why because it's probably one of the reasons why we're stuck in this, this area. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Is, you know, as much as there's consequence for not speaking up about boundaries being infringed upon, there is also a detriment of being overly cautious about not upsetting somebody. Yeah. Or tiptoeing, tip, tip walking on eggshells is what I'm trying to get to. Yeah, no, 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 and it, and it's a it's a wonderful point because we often let things go unsaid, and those unsaid things tend to fester and then blow up. But to your point, if we open up those conversations and bring out maybe quote, quote, the elephant in the room, we can talk through it and then come together to move forward. So I think it's it's a wonderful point that you've brought out. And I'm, and I'm wondering, actually, since we're start, starting to really get into how to have these conversations, I wonder if it's maybe helpful to talk about well, what do these typical conversations revolve around? Meaning, what are maybe some of these typical boundaries we see that people want to hold to or get violated? Would that be helpful, do you think, for us to, to share and get into? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we've talked about physical space we've talked about our time we've talked about our energy um so we can talk about uh the the boundary of what kind of speech we allow um to 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 be spoken around us you know because that that that's one in this day and age that is very very a touchy subject for a lot of people yeah um you know i it's funny how much we've actually, as a culture, have cleaned up a lot of our rhetoric and speech in the world. Like, 
I was watching some movies from like the late nineties and I was just like, man, I, uh, I don't think this would fly today. And it's amazing because like all these changes were, were probably very subtle and, and not that noticeable of us making, but they definitely are happening. Um, and, and, and that's because those boundaries have been publicized recently, you know, people have started speaking up. Um, and, you know, I think that, you know, protests is an, a bubbling over of not being listened to. And, you know, that is a way of saying, hey, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, so I think I think that's a very that's a very good point, right? Is what am I or am I not say comfortable with in terms of uh, how somebody addresses me, the language they use around me, uh, the conversations we have? I think that's a really relevant point. Um, and and just to maybe briefly before getting in that to kind of reiterate, like you said, we've talked about time, but it's not just time in general. It could be work life. It could be time specifically in each of those areas, time for my family, time for me, time for work, time for exercise. Um, the energy piece, I think, is important as well, not just throughout the day, again, revolving around, say, work or life. But I say this all the time. I'm going to say it here is there's a reason why we sleep as human beings. We naturally need to reset at night. That's why we sleep. And I think one of the biggest boundaries we forego in terms of our energy is this boundary between rest and active. We typically push the active piece of this way too much and don't give ourselves permission to rest and recover as much as we, we need. So I just wanted to bring that out in that boundary um, uh, piece of it. And then you're right, physical space, I think, is, is absolutely huge, whether that's uh, not liking being in crowds, whether that's people standing too close to you at the grocery store, social distance right now, right? It's, are people respecting that boundary for you and your health and your safety that come with it? I think those are great examples of it. And then I really liked the, the last example that you brought out about kind of this, this speech um, this maybe at the heart of it too respect of my beliefs and values even coming out there at the end so a wide range i guess i'll say summary of things that you can have boundaries around yeah absolutely and i think uh, especially when you talk to the about the the sleep sleep boundary is I think one of the reasons why people lose that boundary is because they don't have other boundaries. And they are, I know me personally, one of the reasons why I forego sleep is because I've not had enough time for myself in the day. And I don't want to just surrender my time to sleep at that moment is I I'm like, I barely did anything for me today. I want to take a little bit more time, right. Even though it's late. And then sometimes that ends up you spending even more time awake 
<laughs> right. And you start that slippery slope and then you wake up the next day drained and then you are slowly moving down the path of day in, day out of not getting enough rest. And then you're shortchanging yourself on both ends. Yeah. And this is a beautiful, beautiful illustration because while we may be talking about rest at the heart of it, what's really the boundary in there for you? For a lot of people, it's maybe what is my screen time? What's my social media time, right? Am I say watching TV at night and then turning the TV off, but then picking up my phone and spending an hour and a half looking at YouTube videos or whatever it may be. And then it's one o'clock in the morning and I need to get up at 5 a.m. So when we talk about say rest in general, what is really that boundary I need to put into place and hold true that's truly causing rest to be off balance, right? So it's just a wonderful illustration that you, that you brought out. Uh, the thing maybe I want to get back to actually is, is the speech example that, that you brought out. Cause I think it's, I think it's very important. And what I want to say on that is kind of my, pers my perspective. What I believe is this, I fully believe we each have the absolute right to be who we are and believe what we be believe in free of prejudice, discrimination, and injustice. However, in living that, we do not have the right to infringe upon someone's ability to do the same. That's what I fully believe. And I think it's important because when you're talking about speech being used around you, the way people convey what you believe in, what you value, you can have a lot of things violated if people disrespect you, maybe we are a minority and people use a derogatory term against us, right? I am a Jewish man. I'm a minority in that respect. And someone could use a very derogatory term for Jews around me. And at that point, that would greatly violate my boundaries. And I have a choice. If that person's an important part of my life, I could have that conversation there. However, I think part of this equation too is in this case where we're talking about speech and things that are said around us, if this person say isn't a coworker we have to see every day, it isn't a family member, maybe it's an acquaintance, maybe one possible easiest way of handling this is maybe that person serves a lesser role in my life or isn't in my life anymore. We have choices when it comes to how we want to hold true to those boundaries and how we communicate with people. But to the very beginning of what you started this off with, Andrew, about your example uh, with you in the kitchen, if we never say something, people may never know and pick up on our discomfort. So when it comes to our beliefs, our values, I think it's hugely important that we have that conversation if this is someone you want in your life still. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, and again, I think the, the important thing is to understand too, is that boundaries, like many other things that we talk about, are not something that is an absolute. Like you don't have to draw lines in the sand saying, if this is broken, every all is lost. Yeah. You know, it is one of those things where it is a daily practice of trying to create 
what is the most comfortable and security, you know, security based reality that you can form for yourself. <laughs> you know, because yeah. at the end of the day, that's that's what security is, is it is creating situations that have predictable outcomes. Yes. To make it think, Steve. <laughs> yeah, it was like that's an interesting way of uh, of putting it. But you're right. I think security comes from your your comfort and your comfort of maybe knowing how this is going to play out, or that I'm in a safe, secure space. Because yeah, no, I I think that's a very interesting way of putting it. You did make me think there for a moment. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's something I've been trying to get through to dog owners a lot of the times because, you know, there's this huge like discourse of like people are like, you need to be stern and show leadership. That's what fixes dogs. And other people are like, no, you need to love them. And I was like, well, yeah, what, what you need to do is create consistency of predictability so they can be comfortable and that's that's what creates security and understanding in an animal is it's not it's not being super strict or i'm the boss it's being consistently showing them what is expected of them and you can do that without being mean or without being harsh and without um costing other parts of the relationship yeah, and it's a good example, too, of what am I doing that's feeding into this, right? And we tend to put the onus on other people. They need to do this. They should do that. They have to do this to hold true to my boundaries. Well, wait a minute. What am I doing? What am I doing that maybe shows my dog? Uh, lost that train of thought there. What? Are, yeah, sorry about that. What am I? What am I doing that's showing my dog? to not engage in this behavior, right? Let's say they're always forging ahead and I'm trying to yank back on that leash and I yank them back. Well, am I just teaching them that, you know what? If I want to get what I want, I'm going to power through it <laughs> and I'm going to forge ahead because that's what my owner is doing. Well, guess what? If I'm getting what I want by physical force in that case, you're teaching the dog that to get what they want, that's how they engage in it, right? So. To your point, this takes a little perspective of what are we doing that feeds into this. And it's not just the other person, it's us that comes into play. And there's more than one way of doing this. And I think reading what really resonates with your dog to create that type of consistency of, hey, if you do this, here's what's happening, or this is what's okay to do, and that comfort, and this is what resonates and works with them, that's how we engage in creating that, that behavior, that relationship, and that boundary. Yeah, I, I'm, re I'm reading a book recently. It's called Think Again by Adam Grant. And he put this in, thought into my head, and I really, really like it. He said, talking with other people, it, you should look at it as a dance and not a war. Um, that needs to be one, but a dance where... If you want to lead, you 
you you lean into them and then you lean back and let them come into your space and then you lean into them and then they come back into your space Mm -hmm. and that is how you create more harmony in a conversation versus here's all my side of things take it and you don't say anything you just accept what i have to say yep yeah (laughs) you know it's i like to describe it this way is if we enter that conversation saying what do i need to convey in that conversation we're going to do just that we're going to talk at people here's what i need to do here's what you need to do and that's how it's going to come across but I think to your point, you're talking about if this is a dance, we're looking at it and we go into this conversation with what do we want to achieve together? You are moving fluidly together and having this dance where you're talking with each other versus just talking at each other. <laughs> so it's a, it's a very eloquently put point on your, on your part. Uh, interesting book, I would say. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been huge. So I, uh, I'm very, very happy with, with the new thought processes that I gained and new perspective I gained through that book. Yeah. So with that, why don't we just kind of gauge into recap? Cause we've really started to talk about, I think more fruitfully the communication piece and the action piece. So kind of quick recap, this all kind of starts with what are my boundaries, right? What is this discomfort that I am feeling? That's one way of kind of discovering. So what is off? What's being violated? What is discomfort? What is uncomfortable and causing me discomfort rather in my life? That can help us identify what these boundaries are for us that we want to hold true to. Then some of the questions we posed about how do we hold true to those boundaries are number one, as we've just kind of finished talking about is how do we communicate that with other people? What actions are we taking ourselves that perhaps allow people to violate those boundaries? What actions then do we want to put in place to recreate and hold to those boundaries? And then number four, what is what are the mentalities underneath for me that may lead me to not being able to hold true to these, these boundaries because I have a kind of value or belief that I'm holding to that just grates against this boundary I'm trying to, to create. So that's kind of in essence, I think what we've really brought out today. Did I miss anything or maybe mischaracterize it? No, I think that was a very good synopsis of what we talked about today. Okay. So um, as usual, it's been a fantastic conversation, Steve, and I look forward to our next one. Yeah, I do as well. And uh, so in the meantime, everyone, be the movement in your life and stay safe and healthy. All right. Have a good one, everyone. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by subscribing. If you would like more information on coaching, look at striveformore.com to find Steve's business, or you can look for pet care options at pittsburghpetcare.com. If you'd like to email us, you can email us at contact at pittsburghpetcare.com. See you next time.